Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Well, we are in our Limitless series Amen. And we want to live the life that Jesus died to give us. When Jesus died on that cross, he didn't just pay the price for a ticket to heaven. He paid the price for us to live an abundant life on earth. He doesn't want us to be sick. He doesn't want us to be poor. He doesn't want us to be in conflict, in turmoil, depressed, in bondage, oppressed. He doesn't want these things for us. John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the enemy comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. Jesus wants us to live a life of overflow. We will have trials. We know that. We know that those who seek to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. But I've come to tell you what I've learned is it is very possible to walk through persecution and still walk in peace. It is very possible to walk through a time of sickness and still walk in joy. It is very possible to walk through times of conflict with people who you love and still walk in abundance. It is possible. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. So it's the good fight of faith that we're fighting to live the limitless life. God has not put uh, undue limits on us. His limits are only boundaries by his word to keep us protected from the devil. It is the enemy who wants to put a cap on us. So Father, today I thank you that you give us understanding into the life that you want us to live and that which is combating us, those thoughts, those beliefs, the mindsets, the spiritual opposition that comes to steal our dreams, that comes to steal our hope of a future. When we know that your word says you've given us a future and a hope, you have good plans for us. You have a kind intention toward us. You are good and you want us to live a good life. God, so help us today to understand the ways in which the enemy works to limit us, the ways in which we work to limit ourselves. God, help us, Lord, to stop sabotaging ourselves. There's somebody in here and you're doing that. You're sabotaging yourself. I know what it looks like because I used to do this. I used to get right up to the edge of victory and somehow the enemy would try to talk me out of a thing. Some little thing would go wrong and I thought it was all wrong. I lived in a very black and white life. In other words, all or nothing. If it wasn't perfect, never mind it. 
I want somebody to get set free from that today in Jesus' name. Amen? That self-sabotage, it's got to break. We're going to pray on that later. The Lord wants us to, to dream, to dream wild, to dream big. But many of us, well, let me just ask you, since we're here together as a family, and we can be honest, how many of you had dreams in your life that you saw die? Things that you were believing God for. Maybe it was a career. Maybe it was a marriage. Maybe it was something. And it died right before your eyes. I've had that happen to me. I know what it feels like. I know the depression that tries to come on you. The discouragement that settles in on you. That hopelessness that you'll ever regain that which was lost. I've lost a lot of things, but God has always repaid me. And I want to leave you with the hope today that no matter what you've lost, no matter what dream has died, God is a God of resurrection. And he will either resurrect the dream of your heart or he'll give you something better. Sometimes the dreams we have are too small and it's so easy for the enemy to come in. Sometimes we're ready for a thing. Sometimes we weren't equipped to fight the good fight of faith. But if God does that resurrect it for you. I'm here to tell you today, he'll give you something far beyond your wildest dreams. I'm walking in the dream right now. Hallelujah. I've seen dark days. I've seen dark times. I've seen losses. I've seen discouragement and pain. But when I set my, my eyes on the Lord and when I put my mind on him, when I begin to focus on his plan for me, things begin to turn around. I said there was a divine shift and I prophesy over your lives today, a divine turnaround. Everywhere the enemy came meddling, everywhere the devil puts you upside down on your head, feel like you're going backwards instead of forwards. I prophesy and I decree a divine turnaround over your life in Jesus' name. If you receive it today, stand up and shout, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We've all received the letters in the mail. You know, the ones that come with the green card and you got to sign it. We've all received the telephone calls with the bad news. We've all received the dream killing moments. But today we're going to take it back in Jesus name. Amen. We're going to catch a thief. The Bible says when you catch a thief, he's got to repay seven times. This is why I know that even if the enemy has come in and wreaked havoc on your life, I know that I know that I know he's got to repay. And if he doesn't, God will. Hallelujah. You can't make things happen. There's some things you cannot make happen, but God can. And he will if you put your hope in him. The Lord wants us to dream big dreams. I think I said last week, I'd rather dream big, real big and get half of it than dream a little small dream that's attainable in my flesh and get all of it. I want to dream so big that it's impossible for me to do it, but it's still possible for God to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. It's not a new concept. Jesus set the stage for wild dreams when he walked the earth. John 15 verse 17. If you remain in me, this is Jesus, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done to you. That's crazy. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask me anything and I'll do it for you. Now, this presupposes a maturity in the believer that you are going to let his word abide in you, renew your mind so that you want what he wants. The Bible says that God puts his, gives you the, God gives you the desires of his heart, of your heart. So the thing is when God puts his desire in your heart and you agree with his desire for your life, then you'll see it come to pass 
in the right timing. Many people believe that that just means, well, he'll give me what I desire. Well, he will if you remain in him and his words remain in you. But that desire that you're wanting is going to be his desire. It, it, it comes with a maturity. You know, there was a, a, a young man. I used, to, I used to live in Alabama for 13 months. I lived in Alabama and there was this young man there and, and I had a roommate there in Alabama. I lived in a house. Uh, it's a really small town and I had a roommate there for a few months and there was this young man who he just adored my roommate. He thought she was just couldn't do no wrong, walked on water. You know, this young man just, just is madly in love with this, with this young woman and she didn't want anything to do with him at all. Just blew him off one side and the other. And it was really sad, but he was so crushed and he would sit on the porch and drink iced tea with me. That's what we did in Alabama. He would sit in the porch and drink iced tea with me. And, and he would just say, well, I just love her. I just love her so much. I just can't live without her. And finally, while we were talking, this older woman came over from the church. Thank God for older women from the church. Hallelujah. Some older women from the church who've got some wisdom, who have lived their life. Praise God. And then he came over, she came over and he was talking all this stuff. I just can't live without her. I just can't take it. And he's just crying and whining. And she said, son, I want to encourage you today. God will give you the desires of your heart. And to him, that meant he was going to get the girl. She said, all you have to do is pray, God, give me the desires. Give me the desires of my heart. Give me the desires of my heart. And she said, if you'll just pray this, he'll answer you. And he thought that meant he was going to get the girl. But so he started praying this. He prayed it with all of his might. He prayed it day and night. And pretty soon, guess what? He didn't have no desire for that woman no more. He found himself a nice little girlfriend who really cared for him. Amen. God will give you the desires of your heart. But sometimes your desires don't match his desires. That's why we must pray. God, give me the desires of my heart. You put your desire for me in my heart. Desire means to will, have a mind, intend, to be resolved or determined to purpose, to desire, to wish. John 14, 14, this is again Jesus speaking. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. These, these verses are something that we need to meditate on. We want to live a limitless life. We have to understand and know that God is a limitless God. He says, ask, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's amazing to me. John 16, 23 and 24. On that day, you will ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy be made full. I the, Now, I've given you three witnesses from Scripture. The issue is we have a hard time believing it. That's why they call it the good fight of faith. We are actually fighting to believe more than we're actually fighting any enemy. The enemy comes to steal our faith more than he comes to steal anything, to steal our peace, to steal our joy, to steal our hope, to steal our strength. He's coming to weaken us so that we won't believe what we have seen in the spirit because we're not seeing anything that resembles that in the natural. In other words, many of us, we want to see it and then we'll believe it. But the Bible says to ask and believe, and then you'll receive. So you've got to believe that you have it before you get it. I said, you've got to believe that you have it before you get it. It is your faith that pulls down the blessing from heaven into the natural realm. He said, ask anything in my name. Ask anything. 
I've been believing God for impossible dreams for the past 15 years, and many of them have come true. There are things that have happened in my life that I would just sit and weep over. I, I, I can't believe some of the blessings that have come my way. I mean, but you have to understand, I was in abject devastation. I was a single mother trying to raise a daughter who was severely hurt and wounded by a father who ran off. I was, you know, not college educated. I didn't, I was on food stamps. I didn't have, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have a lot of the advantages that some other people have. Nobody paid for me to go to college. I tried to pay my way through, didn't quite make it to the end. I didn't have all these advantages. But guess what? I had Jesus, and he's the ultimate advantage. Whatever you've been through, you've got to stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. He is everything. He is the source. Many of us, we look at our bank account as permission to do this, that, or other. We need to ask the Lord, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to buy this car? Do you want me to go back to school? Do you want me to sow into this mission? Do you want me to do it? Because when you walk in his will, you will bump into his blessing. Hallelujah. God is good. Ten years ago, I posted on Facebook. You know those Facebook memories that come up? Like show you what you did five, ten years ago? I posted this ten years ago. Dream no small dreams. For they have no power to move the hearts of men. You got to dream big. Here are some, some dream killers. The first one is limiting beliefs and reasonings. Limiting beliefs and re- What is a limiting belief? A belief that limits you. Well, I've never finished college, so I'll never get an executive position at any company. Well, that's a lie. That's the enemy trying to get you not even to try before you fail. You won't even try. These typically say, I do or I don't. I don't have enough. I don't see a way. You need to trade that for, Jesus is my way. I have more than enough. God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. You've got to catch yourself. You've got to catch. Some of these thoughts come from the devil, and some of them come from your own background, how you were raised. Many of you were taught money doesn't grow on trees. My grandfather, God bless his soul, he's in. he's gone on to be with the Lord. My grandfather was not a stingy man, but he was, I don't know what's the word for it. He would give me anything he had, but he was, I guess, the epitome of a good steward to the max, like on steroids, good steward. He would actually, listen, this, this, I'm not making fun of him. This is, this is just, it's laughable, but I'm not making fun. He would write on the bottom of his slippers the date that he bought them because he wanted to see how long it would be before they wore out. So then the next time he bought a pair of slippers, he would say, well, I need to make them last a little longer. And, and I need to, he would write the date on his, they weren't poor. They were not poor people. They wanted, he wrote the date on his deodorant, on the laundry detergent, because he wanted to see and track how much he was spending and saving. But see, that's not the, the limitless life. I'm not saying we should waste a thing, but we shouldn't be having to worry about when our shoes are going to wear out. Praise God. You know, the Israelites wandered around the wilderness for 40 years and they never went without a meal and their shoes never wore out. The Bible says their clothes never wore out. Can you imagine they were probably out of style, but they didn't wear out. Hallelujah. They did not wear out. You got to trade these limiting beliefs. Another limiting belief will start with I always or I never. Oh, I always stall out before the end. Or I never catch a break. These are beliefs the enemy will insert in your mind to get you to come into agreement with it. 
Uh, my confession is, I always have favor everywhere I go. Doors open for me every time I knock. I see into the future every time I look. I'm not limited by the cap the enemy wants to put on my head. I catch those thoughts and I cast them down. I have endurance because God lives in me. I have the favor of the Lord. We have to check these always never statements. Here's another one. I can't or I won't be able to. These are limiting beliefs. When you hear yourself saying, I can't, you need to jump up in a minute and start fighting the devil. When you hear that thought, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I whatever it is, I can't pay my bills. I can't get a college degree. I can't advance in my job. I can't manage my family. I can't save my marriage. Those are limiting thoughts. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Jesus said, or Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There was no can'ts in his vocabulary. I can't juggle things the way so-and-so does. I won't be able to make the cut. You got to trade those. Here's another one. I am or I am not. If it's a negative, I am too old. You're not too old. You just got started. Caleb took a mountain when he was over 90. Come on now. You're not too old. I'm too young. Well, Josiah was king at eight years old. You're not too young. You're not too old. You're not too this. You're not too that. Whatever thought it is that's coming against your mind to to limit you, you've got to fight it like it's a devil because that's what it is. It's either a devil that's whispering it to you or it's some kind of demon-inspired person or foolish person or unlearned person who sowed that in your mind when you were a child. (laughs) I am created in his image. Nothing is too hard for my God. Romans 12 and 2, this is the amplified version. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You got to renew your minds. That is one of the biggest issues. The Bible says, or actually, Watchman he said, the emotion, your emotions are the, the your number one enemy. It's not the devil; it's your emotions. The Message Bible says, don't be don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. And Proverbs twenty three says, for as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. So what you say and think about yourself actually impacts you, believe it or not, this is scientifically proven, what you say and think about yourself affects you more than what anybody else says or thinks about you. Everybody else could tell you how wonderful you are, how pretty you are, how smart you are. But if you tell yourself, if your self-talk is, well, I'm ugly, I'm I'm not smart, I'm stupid, I'm slow, whatever, that is what you will believe. By the same notion, you could live in a household, and I've known great people who have risen up in households where they were told, you'll never amount to anything. Why are you sitting there coloring and drawing all day instead of studying? And they turned out to be world-renowned artists. There's there's things that we we, we have to understand. It's our, it's our image of ourself that matters more than what anybody else thinks of us. And, you know, we are created in his image. Mae Jemison was an engineer, a physician, and a NASA astronaut. She was actually the first African-American woman to travel to space uh, in a space shuttle, in the Endeavour space shuttle. And she said, never limit yourself because of, because of others' limited imagination. 
Never limit others because of your own limited imagination. We don't want to limit. It's all in the mind. Because what's in your mind will eventually come out your mouth. And we see this very clearly. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I counsel people, I just ask them questions and get them talking. You know why? Because if you let them talk long enough, the truth will come out of their heart. It will come out. And then you can see what the problem is, where the lie is, and what they're believing. Death-laced words is the number two dream killer. Death-laced words. These will put limits on your life. Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. There are word curses, what others say about you. But most of the time we're cursing ourselves. We're prophesying against ourselves. Start listening to what you say. You Listen, you might not catch on immediately to what you're thinking. Many people don't realize what they're thinking about. They're not cognizant. They're not self-aware enough to understand what's going through their minds most of the time. You ever just be driving along and, you know, all of a sudden you realize, I've been, how did I get to be thinking about this? And it's like, because you've been thinking, 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 but you're almost like off in another world in your thoughts. But when it comes out of your mouth, start listening to what's, then it's like evident. But that is when you are setting, setting it like in cement is when you say it out of your mouth. As long as it's in your heart, it's affecting your mind. But once it comes out of your mouth, it's affecting your life. Power of death and life are in the tongue. We prophesy against ourselves. We speak death over our dreams. We release witchcraft against ourselves with our words. When limiting beliefs are expressed, they release the power of death over your life. Our words need to agree with what God says us. So start to listen. I challenge you. Get an accountability partner. If you're married, look, I don't pick on each other. Ah, I caught you again. Don't pick on each other. Don't be mean spirited about it. But if you, if you it make, make a pact with somebody, say, listen, if you hear me complaining, say, hey, hey, remember, we're on a 30 day complaining fast. If you, if you hear me speaking about my dreams, if I'm being negative, if, if, if some, then, then let me know because I'm not hearing myself. And so help each other. If you got a friend, help each other not to say these things because it's true. The power of words, it's true. The third one is fear. The third dream killer is fear. Fear clouds our thinking. It paralyzes our faith. And it kills our dreams. Fear. The Lord told me one time, he said, fear is a manifestation of the enemy's lies. Satan is the father of lies, the father of fear, the father of destruction and devastation. The Lord says, I have not and will not give you a spirit of fear. I have given you a spirit of power to overcome the fear that's trying to overcome you. Lord says, I have given you my love that combats every feeling of fear. I have given you a sound mind to discern the subtle voice of fear that speaks against your dreams. Don't allow yourself to be to fear for even a second. Call out to me and my love will deliver you from every fear. And Isaiah 41 and 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. What do you have to be afraid of when God Almighty is on your side? Seriously. Seriously, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear. Fear is something that I was riddled with for many, many, many years of my life. I remember the day that I got deliverance ministry and got free from the spirit of fear. 
don't know if I've ever told you the story. I'll tell it quickly. I was invited by the prophet in the church to come down and have deliverance ministry. And I was in the parking lot waiting and I was wrestling and the devil was telling me, don't go in there. Don't go in there. The devil don't ever want you to get free. Don't go in there. Don't go in that church. And I had imaginations because the deliverance room was upstairs and there was no carpet on the floor at the time. And I thought for sure they're going to start casting devils out of me. And I was going to begin to shake and rattle. I thought my head would twist around five times. And I thought I'd bash my head on the floor and break it open and have to be taken. This was the imagine. It was a fearful imagination. The spirit of fear was trying to scare me from going up into that room. So finally, I started to drive off. I, I said, no, I better go. I started to drive off. I said, no, I better go. And I started to drive off. And the dance team leader came out of the church. He says, what you doing? I said, I'm, I'm prayer driving. I'm driving circles. I'm praying around the church, y'all. I know y'all having dance practice. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a prayer drive. Yep. Mm-hmm. She says, well, they're waiting for you in there, to, that deliverance session, you know. I'm like, ah. Oh. So I go up in there and. I thought for sure. I mean, I thought I was going down. I mean, a fearful imagination. This is why people run before deliverance ministry. By the way, we're having deliverance ministry training soon. Denise, you need to come out and cast out some devils. But we're, 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 we're up there and, and really nothing happened. It was uneventful. My head didn't spin around. I didn't fall off the chair. I didn't levitate or scream. None of those things you see that are so, you know, you hear these horror stories. But my countenance changed. And from that day forward, I was never afraid from the inside, but fear still comes at me. I've had to battle fear still over certain situations, like leaving Charisma Magazine and going into full-time ministry, leaving that salary behind and just going on by faith. I wrestled with that. And it probably took me a year longer than I needed to, to build the faith to, to leave that thing. You know, sometimes your identity gets wrapped up in a thing. Lou Engle was just at the One Thing Conference in the Leadership Summit and Lou Engle will be here on February the 15th on a Friday night. So you'll want to come for that. But he was confessing in front of the whole thing that when he ended the call, that his identity was so wrapped up in that thing that all of these emotions, you know, just hit him. And I'm sure fear was probably one of them. So when you transition, when you're stepping out in faith, fear will always come against you. You cannot go after anything in God and not have the devil uh, just... just He's not just going to lay down and, and let you go. He's, fear is one of the main, main tactics. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why you got to take those prophecies that have been spoken over your life and continue to war with them because they're true. And they will come to pass if you continue to press in and don't give up. Don't let fear stop you. Fear is of the devil. Amen? Number four, wrong alignments. Wrong alignments. Jim Rohn says he's a success coach, uh, motivator. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So who are you spending your time with? There are some people you're called to raise up, but you've got to have people around you who are wiser than you. If all your friends are, you know, jacked up, cracked up and broke, then you need to find some new friends who know how to steward finances. Because if all your friends are, are broke and angry and disgusted, that's going to come on you. You got to find, I'm not saying you can't be friends with them anymore, but maybe you need to spend a little less time with them, get yourself free so you can go back and deposit something into their lives. You're not going to get free by hanging around with people who are not free. You know, when Saul got among the company of the prophets, he began to prophesy. You know that scripture? 
He began to prophesy. He wasn't a prophet, but because he was hanging around the prophets, he began to prophesy. When you plug in here and you become a member of this church, if you ain't prophesying, you will be soon. Because of the prophetic spirit that's on the house, you will begin to prophesy. But if you go to a Jezebel church and hang out with all the Jezebel cronies, you're going to end up acting like Jezebel. Who you're aligned with matters. Oh, y'all don't like me today. That's all right. I'm going to tell the truth. Wrong alignments, they hold you back. Wrong alignments hold you down. They distract you from your purpose and from your dream and from your calling. They downplay your accomplishments. They drain your energy and they control you. You've got to break wrong alignments. I always say sometimes you can't break the Jezebel alignment until you break the Jezebel assignment. And if y'all had never, we're going to teach a leadership class next month in in March, if not February, but March. We're going to teach you a Facebook, a leadership class in March called how to deal with Jezebels in your church. Hey, if any, any, any former pastors out there, any pastors? Okay. That's why you didn't shout because if you're a pastor, you're a leader of a church, then you know, you're going to be dealing with some Jezebels and you're going to have to eradicate it. Right alignments will lift you up, propel you forward, help you focus on your gifts, celebrate your victories, stand in prayer for you and release you into destiny. Mark Twain, he said, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Amen. You want to be around people who lift you up and encourage you, even if sometimes that looks like correction. Many years ago, I was driving in my car over the Hollywood Bridge. My daughter was probably five years old. I was driving over the bridge. I had to take her to school every morning. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, I've given you gifts. I expect you to use them. I said, wow, it just struck me. You know, it didn't seem like much, but that was him telling me, look, I want you, to, I, I want you to use your gifts for my kingdom, which I already had a mind to do. And I went to the church and began to, cause I worked from home. So I had freedom. I went to the church and I began to, to volunteer in the church. And my friend there, I told her, I said, this morning, the Lord said to me, let, uh, she said, the Lord said to me, I've given you gifts. I expect you to use them. And she said, well, bless your heart. You just let your light shine. And I was so deflated because she was downing what the Lord's. I was excited. I was bubbling. I'm like, this is so exciting. The Lord wants me to use these gifts. And she's like, well, bless your heart. And in the South, you know what that means, right? It means you're stupid. That's what it means. Go ask somebody from Kentucky. It's like the Christian cuss word in Kentucky. Oh, bless your heart. That's like, it's rude. They get upset with you if you say that there. I'll be in Kentucky on Thursday. I have to remember not to say that. Because I did say it one time, and everybody in the church went, <gasps> I'm like, what? And later on, I was told that's like a huge insult in Kentucky. So you have to know the culture where you're going, because even in America, it's different one way and another, and you can really offend people. Amen? So I had to, I had to get up and repent. Past failures can create limitations. Past failures. Past failures. Hmm. Past failures. The one time the Lord said this to me, it's a new day. Forget what lies behind and press on to what Jesus has for you. He said, don't let your mind wander to the people and places of the past, no matter how good or how bad. He said, if you try to move forward while looking back, you'll stumble. You'll stumble over frustration, either because things didn't go the way you'd hoped or because your current circumstances do not live up 
to those of your past. Don't look back. Stay focused on your mission in Christ. He will take care of the past, the present, the future if you keep your mind stayed on him. These past failures can limit us because we think, well, I tried and it didn't work. Even in the realm of marriage, maybe maybe you, something bad happened in your marriage and your, your spouse was was not faithful and it ended in divorce. That doesn't mean you cannot be happily married again. That doesn't mean you cannot be happily married again. Amen. Just because you lost a job in a, in a wave of corporate layoffs and you had to get another job paying less doesn't mean that you cannot work your way back up the ranks again. Just because you failed a class in school. Look, I could, I, I'm not good with math at all, which is really why I didn't get a college degree because I could not do the math. Just couldn't do it. They got me tutors and everything. Wouldn't matter. I couldn't do it. Didn't, no comprende. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I could have let that failure stop me from doing anything great. I could have let that failure convince me that I'm not capable. Turns out in the real world, all you need is an iPhone with a calculator. You can do pretty much anything you need with math. So it's fine unless you want to be a rocket science or an engineer. But whatever you fail that, whether it's a failed relationship or maybe you tried out for a job and you didn't get it and, you know, don't let failures of the past keep you from your future. I have seen, I haven't had a lot of failures in my life, but I have had a couple that were severe, very severe, very severe, but I didn't let it stop me. I always say the best thing I've got going for me is I just refuse to give up and that'll take you a long way. Frustration. Frustration blocks the grace of God, and we need grace to walk in our dream. The enemy puts up roadblocks in our path to frustrate us. The actual definition of frustration is that there's something in the way between you and your intended goal. The definition of happiness is the forward-moving progress toward a goal. So when we're making progress in life, we're making progress toward our degree, we're making progress toward a project, we're making progress in whatever area of our life, we feel good. But as soon as there becomes a, a, a point of conflict or an obstacle, maybe there's an employee in your company who just won't do what's right. Maybe there's a, a friend in your life who just keeps on, you know, talking down to you, whatever it is, whatever obstacle is in your path, you have two choices when you see the obstacle. You can focus on the obstacle or you can focus on Jesus. When you focus on the obstacle, the obstacle grows bigger. When you focus on Jesus, he'll give you a strategy to overcome the obstacle. So you have a choice. Whatever, beloved, whatever you focus on gets bigger. Whatever you focus on, you move toward it. You know, in the race car driving world, I'm not much for race car driving. I do remember when Dale Earnhardt, was it Dale Earnhardt when he died in that crash? I, I remember because I was in a very unique place at the time. But I was never a big race car driver, but the whole world, the attention of the world went on race car driving at that time. What they learned about race car driving through test, testing is they'll teach, they'll teach them this now, is that when they start to spin out, you know, they teach them to pull the whole wheel and to face their whole body away from the wall. Because the tendency is for them to look at the wall and to scramble and to paralyze themselves with fear. But if they'll look the other way and if they'll turn their body and turn everything and turn their attention, turn their head this way, many times they can come out of that spin 
And yeah, they may have crashed, they may get a little banged up, but they're not going to go full on into the wall. What you focus on is what you're going to move toward. If you focus toward on, if you focus on the strife, if you focus on the problems, you're going to move toward them. They're going to seem larger than life. If you focus on Jesus, he's going to give you the answer because he is the answer and he is the way. Amen. And finally, faith without works. Faith without works will limit you. James 2 and 20. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? That's the message version of that scripture. Faith without works is dead. You cannot separate faith from works. I'll show you my faith by my works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith through grace. But if we are saved, if we do have faith, the faith will inspire us to take action. If we really believe that God doesn't want us to sin, then we'll, we'll fight against the temptation with faith. If we really believe that God, that, that if you, if you sow, you're going to reap, then we'll sow in faith and we'll reap. If you don't put action to your faith, your faith doesn't work. Faith without action is meaningless. According to Sir Isaac Newton's law of inertia, physical objects in motion tend to stay in motion. So if I roll a ball down the middle of this sanctuary, it's going to roll for a long time. It's not going to just roll, you know, just a little. It's going to roll. It, it, they call that momentum when the, when the snowball begins to roll down the hill and it gains momentum. Things that are in motion tend to stay in motion while objects at rest tend to stay at rest. That basically means that things want to stay the way they are and nothing wants to happen on its own. If you want your life to change, you're going to have to give it a little push. If you want something different in your life, you're going to have to exercise your faith to do something different. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different outcome, expecting different results. If you keep doing things the same way, you will have the same life next year that you had last year. But if you'll make some changes, if you'll assess what you're thinking about, if you'll assess what you're saying with your mouth, if you'll assess those things that cause fear to rise up in your heart and get to the root of some of these things, if you make some changes by faith, if you decide today to take limits off, then this time next year, your life can be radically different. I'm going to tell you the truth. I am living in more freedom now than I've ever lived in my whole life. You know, when my husband left, I had to work, 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 work. I worked 12 hours a day, just anything I could do to pay the bills. And I actually was very, very prosperous. But I told you last week, I still had a lack mentality. Making a quarter of a million dollars a year still had a lack mentality. So I continue to work, 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 just in case I might not have enough, just in case there might not be another job tomorrow. And that was my mindset. And in a way that keeps you hungry, it keeps you good, but it can also get way out of balance. Then I went to Charisma Magazine and that was awesome. It was different. I was working for the Lord. It was great. But that too ended up being work, 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 12 hours a day. I could never do anything now. I travel all over the world. Now I can go out at 
10 o'clock in the morning and eat breakfast at a restaurant if I want to. Yes, I still work hard. Yes, I still work 12 hours a day. But the freedom that I have does not compare. And how did that happen? Because I took the limits off God. Because I took the limits off my mind. Because I stopped being afraid of not having enough. Because I stopped thinking that I had to do it a certain way. A way that other people did it. And I knew that I could do it the way that God told me to do it. You've got to take the limits off your life. And when you do, you'll radically change your life for the better. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. You learn anything today? Amen. I want to tell you a story, but I want to tell you something that can, can you, can you bring me my phone out of that drawer? I want to tell you this quick story and we're going to pray for you in a minute and we're going to make some decrees. Thank you. <laughs> this guy, this is a true story. His name was Leighton Farrell. He was the minister of Highland Park Church in Dallas for many years. True story. He tells a story of this man in his church who once made a covenant with the former pastor to tithe 10% of his income every year. He made a covenant. Pastor, I'm going to tithe 10% every year. They were both young and neither of them had much money at the time, but over the course of time, things changed. And the layman tithed $1,000 the year he earned 10000 He was faithful. $10,000 the year he earned 100000 So he earned 100000 God prospered him, and he tithed 10000 He He tithed $10,000 the year he earned 100000 and he tithed $100,000 the year he earned a million. Shoo, how many of you would tithe $100,000 if you, if you earned a million dollars? Amen. Good, F- five of you. Okay, the rest of you, I'm sorry. Ain't going to happen for you, honey. Hallelujah. Don't get mad at me. I'm just teasing you. God can do what he wants, but he does love cheerful givers. So he telephoned, he, he, the year he, listen, the year he earned six million dollars, he could not bring himself to write out the check for six hundred thousand dollars. This, this, this dude earned six million dollars and he was like, the tithe is too much. It's six hundred thousand dollars. So he telephoned the minister long having since moved on to another church and he asked to see him. And he walked into the pastor's office, and the man begged him to be let out of the covenant. He said, this tithing business has to stop. It was fine when my tithe was $1,000, but I just cannot afford $600,000. You've got to do something, reverend. And the pastor knelt down on the floor and prayed for a long time. And the man said, pastor, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? And he, he, said, he said, are you praying that God will let me out of this covenant? And he said, no, I'm praying for God to reduce your income back to $1,000 so that you can be faithful in the covenant. Hallelujah. Amen. See, many of us have no problem tithing. Some of you do. But many of us have no problem tithing when we make a certain amount. But when God prospers us, that tithe looks like a whole lot of money. You know, when I first got saved, I was making very little. Very, very little. Now I'm making a lot. In the world, I own businesses as well, right? So my money doesn't really uh, d- depend on the the income from the from any ministry travel or whatever I do. It, it comes uh, largely from 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 has largely come from businesses for most of my life. So I was I was like, well, you know, when I started making a whole lot of money, you know, I started making a quarter of a million a year. Twenty five thousand seemed like a whole lot compared to the five dollars that I started giving God when I first got saved. But I was faithful to give it, and he was faithful to prosper me. And I got to tell you this. I was on my way to church today, because we're going to do this today, all, the, all those you have who have faith. I was on my way to church today, and my phone, 
you know, buzzed. It was an email. And I opened the email and it says, I'm going to show this to you so you can see it. I just got this. And this is not, this is just came through randomly to an email address I do not use. Listen, this email came randomly to an email address I do not use anymore. I haven't used it in years. And here, read that what it says. No snail mail? Oh, um, claim your 5,000 U.S. dollars from some weird name. Inuyu. PayPal. Somebody PayPal'd me $5,000 on the way to church. Amen. I got one person happy about that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Y'all like, that'll help me none. Don't help me a bit. Why are you telling me that? I'm telling you that because the the anointing flows from the head. And there's an anointing on this house for debt freedom and prosperity. I don't owe anybody anything. I own five properties and 23 acres of land. I've told you this over and over. I've got all kind. Look, look, I don't need the the ministry money at all. This didn't even come through the ministry. Confirm. No, claim your $5,000 USD. So today we're going to put a claim on the inheritance in Christ. Amen. I want to do that right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand up on your feet with me. Here's the thing, guys. There is a heavenly bank account with your name on it. The Bible says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver is his. The gold is his. The earth and the fullness thereof. Everything we put our hands to can prosper. But you've got to make a claim on it by faith. Some of you had never asked the Lord for a large sum of money so that you could be a blessing to somebody else. So that you could get out of debt so you could volunteer in the church more so that you could sow into sex trafficking ministries setting orphans free dealing with issues in poverty around the world building wells in Africa if you'll ask he'll do it I'm telling you I ask all the time and I give 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 all the time so right now in the name of Jesus I want you to decide how much you want to ask the Lord for listen you got to ask with an intent to help somebody okay yes it's okay to ask to have your bills paid But it's not just about you. You want to ask. The Bible says that we should work to have enough for ourselves, but also to give to somebody else. So this is not a greed play. Okay. If you're just going to go out and, 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 and and buy a new Mercedes and, you know, get a new house and just live on the hog, don't bother. But if you have a heart to be a blessing and that does include your needs being met, just ask the Lord for how much you want, because we're going to see testimonies from this. Watch. We're going to see testimony and all you online. We're going to see testimonies from this. So father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray. You pray. I claim a million dollars in the name of Jesus. I claim a million dollars for awakening house of prayer so that we can go into the nations of the earth and establish schools, ministries, orphanages, sex trafficking, rescue homes in the name of Jesus. I ask you Lord for a million dollars in the name of Jesus to do the work of the ministry you claim whatever is on your heart ask God I claim it. I thank you, Lord, for the million dollars this year for Awakening House of Prayer to expand prayer in the nations of the earth. I thank you, God, for new facilities for the campus in Atlanta in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I don't care if it costs 
comes from a government grant. I don't care if it comes from a billionaire. I don't care if it comes from a foreign national with enough money to buy a city. I claim the million dollars in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Who in here is without a vehicle and you need a car? Come stand up here. I want to pray for you. I know there was somebody. I didn't expect you to be. I forgot about you, but yeah, I didn't. You qualify. Amen. Hallelujah. That Uber driver gets saved. You hope so. Amen. She brought her Uber driver in here last week. She told him, I believe if you'll just come in, the Lord will speak to you. Well, I called homeboy out for, had a word of knowledge for him. And he's like, didn't know what was going on. He'd never been in church before. I didn't know if he had demons or just wasn't saved. Turns out he just had never been in a church before like this. He'd been like probably in an Orthodox church, you know. And so uh, he got blessed though. Amen. He liked it. He went out, told his friend outside, Oh, you won't believe what happened to me in this. I like it. Amen. God is good. In the name of Jesus. Everybody stretch your hands toward this way. It's no fun not to have a car. I've had no car before. It's, it's better with a car. In the name of Jesus, I decree new cars for all of you in the name of the Lord. All these three, God, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus, new cars in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to bring a vehicle for each and every one of these three women in the name of Jesus. Make a way, God. I don't care if somebody needs to give it to them. I don't care if it needs to be a supernatural breakthrough and finances that causes the car. Lord, bring the car, whether it's a family member that gives it. I don't, Lord, however you want to do it, God, I'm asking you to bring cars for these women in the name of Jesus and the money to pay the insurance and the money to pay the gas in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now get your seed ready and come and sow today. You made a claim. I made a claim. I'm believing for that. I'm believing for that. We're believing for a whole campus in Atlanta. We need to get one here too. If you're writing checks, make them to AHOP. You can use the text to give right up there. You can use the Cash App. Cash App is dollar sign awakening hop. Online campus, you can use the big old give button right there. Make sure that you get in on this. Claim your 5000 I said, amen, I claim it. In Jesus' name. I don't even have a PayPal account associated with this email address, but I'm going to start one. Hallelujah. I don't know what the snail mail's about, but and you know what? I'm as quick as I'm done, I'm going to go back and claim it now before they take it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, if you need an envelope for a credit card, Pastor Pilar's passing those out. Remember to pick up your free 2019 calendar. Alexis from our second service had these created and made for us and donated them to the church. We'll make sure you get your calendar before you leave today. But we're going to pray for you as soon as we take up this offering. Some of you are in need of prayer. Some of you have realized that you do have fear. You do have limiting beliefs. You do have imaginations that are hindering your, your life. So we want to pray for you today. Amen. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to give. I thank you, Lord, that we can put a claim on our inheritance, not to use it unwisely like the prodigal son, but to use it for your kingdom, to steward your purposes over our lives. I thank you, Lord, that we will no longer let money be an issue in following the dreams that you put in our heart, because money is not the issue. You own everything, and you are our provider. I ask you, Lord, to multiply this seed back to the sowers, God. Let this seed 
speak to the claim that we just made. Let it be an our part, a down payment on a massive multiplication. Just as you sent me $5,000 out of nowhere today, I decree windfalls and supernatural blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.